What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio, and today we are talking about liminal spaces. Yay! And that's all I know, because Gemini, when I asked Gemini, is there anything you want me to, like, specifically think about or, like, take notes on, like, you know, my thoughts on it? And she was like, no, I'm going to just ask you questions. So I thought, okay, so it's liminal spaces. Here we go. And that's the perfect segue into the first question. What does liminal space mean to you? As a definition in general or as a witch or both? Both. Okay, so liminal spaces are those spaces in between, right? Um, and as a witch, I think of liminal space as the time that anything can happen or the time that you might want to look for when you want to do a spell. For example, why is midnight so important? Because it's the time between one day and the other day. It's that liminal space in between the two. So... You know, a lot of our spells t function that way, thinking about what's the space in between. It's so funny because as a teacher, I'm thinking, you know, what's the gap in research? That's kind of like what the liminal space is. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. So I guess that's when I think about liminal spaces, I think about working in the liminal space. I think about because um, it's almost like that space in between this world and the spiritual world. And then we're kind of like always working through that. Yeah. You know, even if we're working with elements, we're working within the spirituality of the plants, the animals, whatever. So that's, I guess those are my two definitions. I always you? connect the liminal space with that idea of like the veil. Mm, so like the okay, veil between yeah. worlds um, mentally, because like in practice, I don't always do that. But in my head, it's always like the liminal space, if it's in between it's almost in between that mundane reality world and then that spiritual, energetic, etheric world. But yeah, I think like the definitions you gave are pretty perfect definitions because the liminal space, like in its technical form, is spaces in between. And I think that, that that's a really accurate way to look at it as like this, this betweenness in any context, right? Between one day and the other, between our world and the next between even the two elements, right? Like for me, I sometimes consider smoke to be a liminal thing because it's kind of in between air and fire, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next question is a bigger one. Okay. How do you incorporate or work with liminal spaces in your practice? Do you do it in a very like specific way or is it more of like an idea or a concept do you use it in a named way or is it just something that is like suffused through everything i feel like it's just a thing that i'm aware of it's not something that i necessarily call to or or name so for example um i mean i guess i'm just going to stick with the thing i mentioned just to you know like midnight um if I feel like I need to cross over, um, I will use either symbols of things. And um, I like to use incense for that, for that reason. Mm -hmm. You just said this idea that it's kind of like in between. Um, and I like to use timing, you know, like that, like mm -hmm. the idea of midnight when I'm going to do something, especially on a full moon or a new moon. If I'm using moon magic, I like the idea of not just doing it when the moon is out, but waiting for that time, that in-between time for that time where I feel like I can best access the spirits that I need to work with. I feel like that's kind of like a little doorway. You said a veil, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, kind of like the same thing. So it's not like I think about liminal spaces 
like to do some, how do I put this? I'm not doing specific things for liminal spaces, but I use them to bring more energy into mm-hmm. the spell that I'm going to do anyway. So it's not like specific spells for liminal spaces. You, I could do these spells at any particular time, but or using any particular tool. But um, the idea of a liminal space can be added. It's like an ingredient that can be added to the spell. So I don't have specific spells for liminal spaces. Mm-hmm. They're my spells. But sometimes I will say, you know what? I should wait for this time or I should use this thing or I should, you know what I mean? Just to give it an extra punch. Absolutely. When I was planning for this podcast, um, our listeners, I'm sure, are aware that I'm like obsessed with liminal spaces. I love the word and I love the idea of it. But I was thinking about my answer to this question and I realized that like I don't I don't really do magic incorporating liminal spaces in a like concrete way. And in fact, a lot of my work with liminal spaces is more meditative or like mindfulness focused because I'm so interested in physical liminal spaces like doorways or um, like truck stops, right? I, I love, oh, I just love the idea of a place that is not a place. Mm. And so for me, it, I'm kind of like more motivated now to find ways to to fit my passion for that into my spell work because really it's just been like thought exercises for me. Like what does a doorway mean? How Sometimes I'll do the thing, you know, the trick where if you forget something, you walk under a doorway and it can trigger your mind to remember it. But like that's about it. I'm not really incorporating these things into my magical practice. And I I would like to because I'm so interested in the concept that it just seems like a little bit of a waste that I haven't been doing that yet. You know what's funny? I just realized I lied. When you (laughs) said doorway, no, because when you said doorway, I realized, think about the spells that we talked about for um, the new year. Oh, yeah. They involved doors and coming through the door, going from one thing to another. So I guess I do have spells, but I, you know, I didn't think about it until you said that. I'm like, yeah, I do have specific spells that deal with liminal space, but those are New Year spells. I guess on my day to day, I'm not think. I only think about those spells at the end of the year. Again, a liminal time. Yeah, we're going from one year to another year, and I'm using the doorway as an extra liminal space. But that's that's on purpose. I mean, that's but that's the only time I think that I've I ever used spells like that. That is so intensely liminal, though, when you think about that spell, because yeah. it's yeah. the liminal space between the 31st and the first. At midnight, at a, at two different doors, right? A front door and right. a back door. Two completely right. different versions of the liminal space. Like, that's dope. And maybe that's why I've always felt they were so important, those spells, and why my family always did them. Um, I mean, nobody ever talked about this. I'm just thinking about it now. Yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, there's a lot of strength that's coming in to these spells. And, um, yeah, but those are the only ones that I've... Yeah, that's weird. I totally forgot about them until you said I that. love that so much. And I love that it's almost like the liminal space makes you forget about the liminal space. Mm, that it's yeah. like the, the spell is so, it's so intrinsically tied to the liminal space. And yet, yeah. at no point does the brain go, yeah, li- liminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, delicious. I was going to ask a different question, but now I want to ask if there's any, um, if the liminal spaces 
are used or referenced in any of your family's practices? If you have any like stories about them or is it just the New Year's spell? My my grandmother and my great-grandmother did a lot of work with their altars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you approach an altar or when I approach an altar, I'm very aware that I'm approaching something else. There's something in between me and what's going on. And this altar is a representation, a physical representation mm-hmm. of the other world, right? So when you're approaching it, in a way, I think an altar is a liminal space. Yeah, you know, I would It's agree. here, but it's not really about the here. And their work was very much focused, and they had many different different altars around the house. Um, some were more working altars, and some, I mean, I think all altars are working altars, because if you've set it up, and you're setting up an energy, even if you don't come back to it constantly, mm-hmm. that energy is there, you've put it into it, and you're going to come back and light a candle, or say a prayer, or meditate, or do something that's going to reinforce that um, energy again. So I'm going to say... From what I can think of, I'm going to say that's probably the most important thing. Here's the thing. My parents were both in different um, societies. They were Freemasons. Mm -hmm. My mother was also an Eastern star. And my father was an odd fellow. So I'm going to say because they use so much symbolism in all of those societies that I think there was probably more liminal space that I'm not aware of because I was never a member. And Mm -hmm. to this day, uh, my mother will not tell me anything. Because she says that's what it's all about. You just don't say anything, which makes me insane. Okay. Yeah. That makes me insane. She's like, you know, people have written books. And I'm like, yeah, of course, a book's going to tell me everything. <laughs> but, you know, like I, I hate her a little bit for it. But yeah, so I think that in subtle ways, they were working with liminal spaces. But that's the only thing I can think of is their mm-hmm. altar work. Having read the fairy craft book, yes. I have determined that. At least a little bit in historical Celtic practice, nature was a liminal space. And the Fae basically Mm -hmm. defined liminal space in Irish and Scottish Celtic practice. So that's something that I'm really excited to to learn more about and get more interested in. But obviously I don't have like – I don't have experiences like you have where like my family did magic. I barely had family doing like folk traditions, so – you know, I had the throw salt over your shoulder, but I don't know where, th- I don't think that was Irish specifically. I almost, actually, I want to look that up because that might just be an American thing. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. Interesting. It does lead me to the bigger question of, are ambiguous folk traditions also liminal spaces? If you cannot identify the culture that a thing came from, does it then become liminal between all of the cultures? Is America a liminal space? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I never thought about it that way. That's really good. God, how'd you think of that? My brain just sometimes does things where it's like, hey, hey, what if we added an apple and a horse? What would that math come out to? And it's like, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's really dumb. So I'm happy that today was a good one. (laughs) Um, I don't think America was set up to be a liminal space. I think that's what it's become. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, wow, is America a liminal space? But as far as traditions, I mean, just because we've forgotten where they came from or we've chosen to forget, you know, because I still think there's a lot of appropriation that happens with colonialism. Yes, for sure. So 
you know, you take something and then you're like, oh, where did this come from? Well, I guess it must be. No, 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 no. That came from somewhere. Yes. Maybe. And if it did, so just the fact that we don't know doesn't mean that it's not. You know what I mean? It's yeah, that's not, fair. Um, you know, in my culture, there are these semis. They are, okay. So they're rocks. They look like triangles. I'm trying to explain this in a really basic, crude way. Um, but they really are representations of deities. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're carved into and whatever and adorned. And they're used for different things. Like there's a semi for childbirth and there's a semi for other like things you might be going through. I guess the way we, in this culture, look at crystals and we're like, oh, shiny rock. And this shiny rock has these properties. And the idea is that those rocks... Um, we're not shiny rocks, they're just rocks. Um, but there is something in there. And I think that when we use symbolism, whether we use not necessarily a crystal, because a crystal has energy from the earth, there's a reason why certain crystals do something. But when we have a certain patron goddess, and we use her symbolism, any kind of symbolism, I think that we have to be conscious of the fact that we're working through liminal space. Yeah, we're trying to get we're trying to break through something to reach something else that's not here. Well, it's a really good segue into my next question, because what okay. gods do you associate with the liminal space? Hecate. Yeah. She is like the goddess <laughs> yeah. of liminal spaces, um, which I think is really interesting that you have never done anything. Like, I have put things at crossroads for Hecate. I mean, I have done stuff for Hecate, but like, in it's not... How do I explain this? My My work with her has been explicitly through her Daepnon, which is like you leave an offering for her while she is leading the unruly dead to the underworld. Um, So it's very much like a don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me kind of thing. Like you leave an offering, but then it's like, I'm hiding. No one can see me. No one can see me. (laughs) I can see you. I see that you were trying to hide. Sometimes I forget that the podcast does not have a visual component. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> let me do a funny a funny body gag. And then it's like, nope, no one can see it. Um, so, like, f- I, I actually just realized on Friday that my job is at a crossroads. The building that I work in. Yeah, it is. Is at a crossroads. <laughs> And I had been under the assumption the whole time that the the daemon of the light that is at that crossroads was specifically working for Hermes. Um, and, like, Hermes is also, for me, a liminal god. He also is a psychopomp. He also leads um, the dead to Hades, but he's a, a liminal god in a very different way, um, especially being, like, the god of communication. I think communication is inherently liminal because you can say things with one meaning and have them interpreted with any, like a number of other meanings. Sure. But I, I pulled some cards on Friday to be like, holy shit, Hecate, like, are you, are you around? And she was like, yep. So happy you finally caught on. <laughs> and so now I'm like, oh, great. Cool, 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 cool. So I may be leaving offerings at Crossroads uh, going forward since I literally work at one. And don't you actually teach people who are in a liminal space? Oh yeah, my whole my whole my whole job is a liminal space. My right. whole job, um, and even just from like the I get kids in the middle of the year, or you know I have kids and then they go to a different campus, or like my job is just 
holding the liminal space steady for people to move through. Right. I am the ferryman (laughs) is where I'm at. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) But are there any gods in like your Celtic practice that you associate with liminal spaces or other gods that you may Um, have worked with briefly? No, because I guess the only god would be um, Elegua because he, not Celtic, that's Yoruban, um, because he's kind of like Hades in that sense. He's kind of like taking people through. But, I mean, in a way, I would say Caridwen, because of transformation, this idea of being able to transform through the cauldron, mm-hmm. there is, in her symbolism, I guess you could say the cauldron is a liminal space. Um, but I'm not conscious, with the only, the only exception is Hecate, mm-hmm. but I'm not conscious when I'm working with gods that they are or they're representing a liminal space or they are a liminal or you know what I mean like I'm not thinking about that necessarily the only one that I really think about when I do anything with is Hecate so yeah and I mean she is basically the queen of liminal spaces that's her whole shtick is the in between the crossroads the the moment that isn't a moment the voice that you hear that there's no body attached, like that's her vibe. Yeah. Um, could Persephone be seen as a liminal goddess? Absolutely. I think all chthonic deities in Greek, mm, not Hades, Hades, no, but all of the the ones that go from the underworld to to Olympus um, are liminal gods because they are representing the space in between those two ends almost like almost like a spectrum i guess the liminal space is the spectrum um i think persephone is the least liminal of that threesome that that hermes hecate persephone vibe Mm -hmm. because i think her the things that she rules over and the things that she is goddess of are much more concrete but I think the way that you get from fertility goddess to goddess of death is a liminal transformation. I think dying is a liminal space. So what, why are you so fascinated? Like, I know you've always been so fascinated about liminal spaces, but do you recall why or how yes. you got fascinated by that? Yeah, them? I do. Um, and this is great. This is great. We're like so in sync sometimes. So the next question that I was going to ask is if we have any stories or experiences with liminal spaces. Um, And that's really what got me interested in liminal spaces in the first place is truck stops. I would, I went to college in the very, very north of New York State, northwest of New York State. And I would drive from my home five and a half hours up Route 17, and there's nothing there, right? Route 17 is a liminal space in and of itself. It's just maybe less so now because they're, like, turning it into a proper highway. But when I was <laughs> when I was young, it was a liminal space. There was nothing but cars and trees, and you felt like you felt like you could drive down it and never, ever stop and just be driving Route 17 into eternity. Um... And truck stops were kind of like the only grounding thing 
on Route 17, and yet they themselves were also these deeply liminal things of people coming and their energy coming in and then their energy going out. And, you know, it always struck me as very, like, American Gothic to stop at a truck stop. And (laughs) I wish that there was a better moment. I wish that I could be like, oh, yeah, I stopped at a truck stop late one night and I talked to a person and then he disappeared or, like, something really cool. But in reality, it was the philosophical idea of Route 17 and the truck stops being these places where time didn't exist, where no matter what time I pulled into the truck stop, I could still get gas. There were still people in the the gas station or at the McDonald's or wherever that no matter what I was doing, no matter what mood I was in, no matter what had happened in my life, Route 17 and truck stops on Route 17 just wiped that away. Right? And like, I would go back to my regular life after that drive, whether it was my regular college life or my regular home life. The space in between those was just distinctly mine and also the universe's. Um, And that was great. That was like the coolest thing. And honestly, I miss it a lot. It's one of the reasons why I like driving so much. Um, I think driving is a liminal space. (laughs) Maybe not like driving 15 minutes to work, but like going on a, on a long drive feels really liminal to me. It, it gives my brain room to expand and like explore the weird shit that my brain likes to explore. So that was really the beginning for me of this desire to find and cultivate physical liminal spaces in my life. And like thinking about it now, I think I have the fewest liminal spaces. Oh, actually, you ready for this? So our listeners hopefully know that I'm like obsessed with the tower, big tower energy. That's my vibe. Um, I've been getting into like inner child healing shit recently. And so I was pulling some cards about that. And basically the spread was like, you're allowed to move on from the tower. And I was like, what? <laughs> but the, the spread was saying like, there was a reason that you were holding on to that liminal energy, to that that chaos, that changing energy. And you're you're starting to now be able to let go of that. So it's like a, this is a very weird, weirdly timed episode for me because I'm so in love with liminal spaces and yet I'm feeling like I no longer have to define so much of myself through liminal spaces. Like Hmm. I'm allowed to be grounded, which is not like for most of my witchcraft practice, that was not a thing. (laughs) That was not how I approached my magic or my spirituality. Um, and so it's like, it's like a very nice, but very weird energy that I'm, I'm leaning into right now where it's like liminal spaces are fun and interesting, but they also don't have to be everything. So I feel sometimes when we talk about or think about liminal spaces, it's the, I don't know how to put this. I feel like it's the woo-woo that witches want. Oh, yes. Does that make any sense? Yes. It's like, because when I think about my practice, I need to be grounded. I can concentrate best if I've gone for a walk Mm -hmm. or, you know, when I'm outside, I'm watching the birds. I 
listen for the squirrels, you know, if there's a brook, I'm looking over to see the water, like I, I connect more when I can be here, so that I can go into a liminal space and do something else. Mm-hmm. So for me, grounding is so important beforehand. But I do some of my best thinking, you know, I was thinking the shower is a liminal space. Yeah, if I have an issue, a problem, or even I'm just thinking about all right, I know what today's lesson is, but do I really want to do it this way? I can go in the shower in the morning and I'm halfway through, I'll go, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm going to do with the kids? I'm going to do it this way today. And then like I'm all pumped and I'm ready to go to work. And when you said liminal spaces on the drive home, yeah, it takes me about 15 minutes to get to work. But my life, not my life changes, but my route changes so much mm-hmm. because I go through this wooded I go through the mountain. Oh, yeah, that's true. And there are there are homes. It's not like there are no homes. But there are moments where you feel like you're completely alone. Mm-hmm. And you're also kind of high up. So you almost feel like you could fly at that moment. Yeah. So there's a lot of just space. And, you know, I'm also going at a time when the sun is just about to come up. So, again, I'm in this liminal space, driving through this liminal space. And it feels great. I have to admit that drive to work when I'm not terrified of seeing all these deer um, <laughs> is wonderful. Yeah. You know, and there's something about liminal spaces being able to calm us, being able to give us the space we need to focus. Because when you're in a liminal space, nothing else really, you can't do anything else. Yeah. Right. Um, I think of any kind of travel as a liminal space when you're in an airplane. Yeah. I think. And I think that's why I hate airplanes <laughs> is that, you know, when you're driving, you have control over when you're going to stop the car and say, I am done. Right. I know this trip is going to take me. And that's why car rides for me are difficult, too. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, driving from here to Salem is about four hours. Mm-hmm. I'm OK in the beginning. When we are two hours in, I start to get really nervous because that's the true liminal space. I can't go back home real fast and I can't get to Salem right away. Mm-hmm. I am truly in the middle. Once we cross that out and we have an hour into Salem, I'm happy because I'm like, okay, I'm almost there. Yeah. It's that middle part that really messes me up. I don't like being quite far away from anything that I might need to get to quickly, which is crazy because it's not like I've I've left the country. I am still, I am what, in Connecticut or I've yeah. just gotten into Massachusetts. Like I'm still in places where I could, if I had an accident or something, God forbid, happened, I would still be attended to. But there's something about being that far away from either my destination or my home that gets me messed up. And that's the same thing, I think, with planes. Like, it's kind of cool when you think about being in a liminal space, but you have no control. Like, this thing is going to land when it says it's going to land. Yeah. And there's something about being there and you have no connection to the outside world, really. Uh, I'm not spending money on Wi-Fi. So I have no connection to the outside world. I have to literally sit with myself and it's can mess you up I love that because it's the opposite for me like I love sitting with myself I love it I there were I remember in college when I was young there would be days if I was driving up I wouldn't put on any music I wouldn't listen to anything I would just talk to myself for five and a half hours Five and a half hours because I'm a lunatic. Um, but I think I think that's like kind of this key difference is I've been I am so in my head at all times. Um, I'm so cerebral. I'm so 
um, analytical about my own choices and the reality that I'm living in. That being told like, hey, now at this point in your life, you can just start living it. (laughs) What? Excuse me? (laughs) I don't have to analyze and change my life based on like arbitrary things that I've discussed with myself and no one else. Excuse me? Um, and I, like, I, that's how my practice was for such a long time. You know, I started out with one thing and then I would analyze that and I'd be like, no, I don't want to do this. I have to do this other thing. And then I would analyze that and I'd be like, that's not working. I'm going to do this other thing. And stability for me is the, the opposite of the liminal space or even like the killer of the liminal space. If something is grounded and stable and consistent, then it cannot be liminal. If there is no change, it is not liminal. And so to now be at a point in my life where, like, I know that I'm not fundamentally changing my witchcraft practice going forward. Like, I'm, I want to add fairy magic into it. I think that sounds super cool. But that's not going to change my Hellenic practice. Right. It's just going to be un- a thing that I add. So there's this this grounding in my practice that I have never really had before. And I, you know, I'm gonna, I am technically not married. I don't know how I discuss this on the podcast. I definitely call him my husband. I will be married, right? I could hypothetically have a family. I have a job that I've had for five years. Like everything in my life is so stable now. And my little Gemini brain doesn't know how to deal with it. It's like, oh, where are all my liminal spaces? Guess I have to go walk under a doorway. And like, that's part of growing up and we all have to deal with that. And like, when you're young, everything is much more liminal because you don't understand how the world works. And also college is inherently in and of itself a liminal space between your childhood life and your adult life. But yeah, it's just weird being so conscious of the fact that as you grow up, you put down roots. And that is like a normal and reasonable thing to do. So it's interesting because I don't know that I see myself as having done that, even though I did that, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember somebody saying to me, oh, you know, I'd hate to be somebody who owns a home because, you know, when the market goes, whatever, I don't know, something about like, you're stuck in this house. And I'm like, I can sell the house. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I never feel stuck. I never feel like, oh, you have a house. I guess you're stuck now. I can't sell it. Like, who says you can't sell it? Yeah. And as far as, like, a job, I think this is the only job I've ever had where I feel locked in. Mm -hmm. I do like what happens most of the time in my classroom. I'm going to say I really love connecting with moms and being able to teach. I hate all the nonsense, and there's a lot of nonsense that happens outside of the classroom especially with the disrespect to our profession I'm, I'm really getting i'm really getting very sick of uh how people treat us especially during a pandemic when they have no idea you know i have colleagues who have kids who are trying to home, you know learn at home and are having breakdowns and these people are expected to come to work and smile and fix everybody else's problems yeah. and you know i mean i know we're straying from the witch talk but i just have to say i'm i'm i am a professional i took several exams I have several master's degrees. You have like so many degrees. But you know what? One of them is not social worker. That's true. Uh, psychologist. Yeah. Right. I'm not. A, I'm not any of those. So the fact that they throw so much on us and then they accuse us. So basically, I'm supposed to have a gun to be able to defend the kids in case a shooter comes in. I'm supposed to shield my body 
heal their bodies with my mm-hmm. body. And then, you know, with COVID, you know, who cares if you have a vaccine or not, like just go into the building. So there's a lot of disrespect going on uh, right now without any consideration. So I only feel locked in because I've been doing it for so long. I believe in the job that I do with the kids. But I do know that I have the freedom to walk away. Yeah. And like I said, you know, before we started recording, there are a lot of teachers that are thinking about walking away. And I never understood teachers. Like, I won't take a student teacher now. Mm -hmm. I won't do any of those things because I don't have anything positive to tell the next generation right now. Because of the way we're being treated. Um, why am I talking about this now? There was a reason for this. Talking about, oh, being locked in as an adult. So I kind of still feel in a lot of ways, um, I'm married. I could get divorced. I don't want to. That's not what <laughs> I I'm just love to how say, gentle you are. I could get divorced. Well, because when we think about being locked in, I think that's when we start to wither. Yeah. Right? If I start to see to myself as... Well, I'm a homeowner. I own this home. I guess I have to live here until I pay off the mortgage and then eventually I'll die. Or I'm married to this person and if I'm not happy anymore, well, I guess I'm married and I have to make it work. Like, that's insanity to me. I feel like our lives are constantly in flux. And I like the idea that I wake up every morning and I say, I choose to be with this person. This person makes me incredibly happy. You know, I don't look at it as, well, I'm married to him, so now I'm stuck. No, I'm really happy that I get to wake up next to this person every day. Um... So I think that as we get older, I think it's not that we put down roots, it's that we start to feel ourselves attached to these roots instead of seeing them as choices that we've made. I chose to plant this plant. A weed grows up whether you choose it or not. But when you choose to plant something, when you choose to be with someone, to start a business, to whatever, you're making these constant um, choices. I think the problem with adulthood is that we don't make choices. We get to a certain age and we go, you know what you should do? You need to buy a house. Go buy a house. And then that was the starter house. You know what you need? You need a bigger house. And you know what you need to do? You need to get married. You're married for how long? When are you going to have a kid? Maybe you should have a kid. Like, And nobody thinks. And then you have all these unhappy people saying, I'm stuck now. No, you're not. You stuck yourself. Why did you buy a bigger home? When I bought my home, six months in, I had a cousin come over and say, the market's really good. You should buy another house. I'm like, who's going to live in the other house? I'm living in this one. She said, no, 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 you can get a bigger house. I said, who's coming to live with me? Yeah. Literally, this is a conversation I had. And she goes, but don't you want a bigger house? I said, for what? So I can have to hire a cleaning woman because now the house is too big? Like, I don't understand. What do I get for having a big house? Is Am I going to get, like, money to me? Like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to get from this. People don't think. When her child left for college, um, she says, oh, it's time to get another home. And I thought she was going to get like an apartment or something smaller. You have to see the quote unquote smaller house she got. I looked at it and I said, who cleans your house? Oh, I do. When do you ever go out? Like, yeah, it's it's beautiful. But I'm looking at it going, why did you get a bigger house? It's just two of you. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think a society we think. And I think that's where a lot of people's unhappiness comes in they feel that either they have to consume something to be happy i have to buy this and buy that and you know people are shocked by my lack of knowledge about cars or caring like when someone says you know what i just bought and i'm like yeah okay like i I grew up in the city i only drive because i have to i would like to not drive like i know i'm gonna move someplace where i don't have to drive because i hate Mm -hmm. it so this whole idea of look at my car and i'm just like 
I'm from New York City. I'm looking at your whole outfit. <laughs> like, you look ragged. Okay? You have a nice car. That's nice. But seriously, yeah. you're wearing Crocs. Ooh. Like, for me, it's like, you're wearing Crocs. I don't care if you're driving, whatever you're driving. Yeah. I'm looking at you going, you're a hot mess. Okay? And that's just who I'm always going to be. So, liminal spaces. They're there if you want, they want them. And my hot takes. And yes. growing up does not mean that you are planted and you're stuck. I see yourself as being in a pot and you decide whether you want to go in the ground. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in the ground, don't bitch about it because you've put yourself there. And I think it's all up here. I think it's all mental. I'm, t- I'm tapping to my forehead. It's all mental. You know, I don't feel stuck in any way, shape or form with my job, my house or my husband. You know, I think I would feel trapped I mean, I'm going to be honest about this pandemic. I'm glad I don't have a kid right now. That Yeah, that would be very difficult. And like, shout out to the parents who are doing it because it's, yes, that's yeah, intense. It's hard. Yeah, that's, I think that locks you in more than anything mm-hmm. else. I think having a kid, because I think if you're a good parent, you're looking for that child. You're looking after that child. And I think that, that might lock you in a little bit more than all the other things. The other things is up to you. Yeah. I like the the image of like a garden that you're tending, like your life is a garden because you're going to grow different things in different seasons. And while the garden exists and the garden is the stable aspect, you can still always change what you're planting. Yeah. Like me, I got divorced. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, you know, the thing, this is kind of interesting. I don't know. That being being divorced is also a liminal space, getting the divorce. When you have a garden, the gardeners should be planting together. Yeah. If one gardener wants to plant poisonous plants and the other one wants to plant daisies, you know, I don't know that this garden is going to work out. Neither garden is bad. Yeah. You just have to decide which garden you want. And if you don't want the same garden, then just get out. Like, I really think it's really that simple. So, you know. So I have – this is my last question, and it's a doozy. Um, Uh-oh. It's, it's, a, it's like a two-parter. It's a two-parter. Oh. So I'm scared now. The first part is, I think, the easier part. Yes. Um, why do you think that the witchcraft community is so interested in liminal spaces right now? Because I think we're living in a liminal space right now. Um, and we've been li- living in a liminal space for a while, pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think that we're becoming more aware of – problems and we're not just talking about just i mean society has tons of problems but the earth has tons of problems and you know everything that we are supposed to be tending to as witches um was in a state of flux so i think that we're living through a liminal space so that becomes more interesting now add the pandemic to it this is a liminal space we have no idea what society is going to be like when this is all over like really over like no masks go to a restaurant over Mm -hmm. you know um we're not the same people. We've seen a lot. So I think if you're not, as a witch especially, if you're not taking stock of what's happening now and trying to figure out how we're going to move forward as a community, as people, and then as a community of witches, then we have a bigger problem. This is a huge liminal space for all of us to be taking stock. And, you know, I feel that a lot of people are doing great things. Yeah. You know, and I'm hopeful. But on the other hand, there's so much in society that we need to fix. And 
I don't know. I almost feel like we need a bigger army of witches to, to help. Because I think at their core, no matter what a witch does or what they, where they practice, there is that sense of helping and healing yeah. humanity. I really think that's at our core. I don't think any witch goes into this um, wanting to harm people. And I think if they do, they're not witches. They might want to call themselves mm-hmm. witches, but they're not. Um, so I think that a lot of people have taken this time to study different things, to learn different things about themselves or about the craft that they're practicing or incorporating new things into their craft. So I think that this liminal space has been good for us in a way um, because I have tried to think of every positive thing that we could have gotten out of this year. It's been mm-hmm. a year. So, you know, I think if we don't, I think we're going to miss it. You know, part of me feels, and I know we disagree on the whole karma thing. Um, I almost feel like this pandemic is a natural warning. Yeah. You know, we're not this. And unfortunately, Fauci and others have said, this isn't even the big one. Oh, yeah. Like, scientists are worried about what's coming next. And, you know, if this is a trial run for what could happen, I think we did pretty badly. (laughs) And I think that's, yes. you know, that's sad. So that's what I mean by we need a witch, uh, an army of witches. I, I feel like we need more people to, you know, really put out healing energy, to really learn their craft. So if people were stuck at home and they were learning new things, I think that's that's a good thing. You know, we got to look at the good that's come out of here because there's been too much, there's been too much sorrow and there's been too much pain. So Do you think that being ha- being a witch during the pandemic helped you deal with the liminal space that was that is that is currently because it's still the pandemic no i totally lost my shit during the pandemic you know that um fair (laughs) um yeah a year ago i was no a little bit later it was april my my, i totally had the big tower energy in in april i felt like everything was falling apart um so no i i didn't see that it took me a long time um to start getting comfortable with the liminal space um, that became this pandemic. And I have to say, I have bad days, but I have better days now. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you and I are both vaccinated, but the world isn't vaccinated. And while people are still dying, I'm not happy, you know, um, as happy as I could be. So, you know, like I said, it took me a while. So I know there are people that are still struggling out there. And I'm hoping that if they listen to this podcast and they think about this experience as a liminal space, we're going to come out of it. Yeah. You know? Um, And we'll be ready for the zombie apocalypse because we've all packed on a couple of pounds. So we're all ready to like burn off some. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've got a whole game plan. For what? For the zombie apocalypse. I've had a game plan for the zombie apocalypse. Oh, but you meant for like when we come out of this. For years. Oh, I want to hear this. So my parents' house has a lot of land behind it. And mm-hmm. it's like it's like tucked away. It's not in a really like public area, but it's also close enough to like a grocery store and like other um, supply areas, I would consider them. So the minute that I hear about a zombie apocalypse, I, t- I pack up all my shit and I go to my mom's. Like from wherever I am. If I'm in my house right now, great. I have more supplies. If I'm at work... I'm taking what I can. Um, we'd have to like supplement the fencing, but it's a big house. You could fit a lot of people. 
Um, and they've got bikes. And bikes are like the one thing that will keep you alive in a zombie apocalypse because there's no gas. They're human powered. Mm-hmm. They make you stronger every time you use them and they're faster than people can run. So you use the bikes to get to like ShopRite and like get gas from the gas stations and like all this stuff. And then I would start growing things in my parents' backyard because they've got, you know, half an acre of just grass. So then you start growing your own food. You build like a little community. My goal, if the zombie apocalypse was a long-term thing, would be to take the building that I work in and turn that into like a compound. Because I think it's just small enough that the number of people that would live there would be able to like coexist peacefully without too many like conflicts. But it's got a like a full soccer field worth of land. And like to survive a zombie apocalypse, you need to make sure that you're growing food. Because eventually the food in the grocery stores goes bad. So boom. That's my game plan. Well, that was good to know that we have a game plan for the zombie apocalypse. I kind of see the zombie apocalypse playing out like I'm Ben in Night of the Living Dead. And I'm probably going to make it through the first wave. And then I'm probably going to get shot and killed and mistaken for uh, a zombie. So I don't really see a way out of the zombie apocalypse for me. But I'm glad you have a plan. Yeah, I don't I, I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. I have to have a, yeah. a plan to um, not die. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, there was a second part to your question, though. Yes. I feel like we didn't get well, to the second part. First of all, I just want to say that I like that you shared that because I also don't think that being a witch helped me deal with the pandemic liminal space. I think I leaned <laughs> so far into the liminal space that it has been really difficult for me to come down. And like my biggest complaints at all times are about the lack of consistency, the lack of consistency, the lack of stability. You know, oh, well, our virtual days are on different days. And so I never, it's, that's the problem for me is I just leaned so much into this being liminal that I now have to re-ground and relearn, like getting up at the same time every day, eating lunch, right? Like reasonable, normal people things were just out of my wheelhouse when we started coming back to school and at this point in the pandemic. So I think that sometimes when we talk about liminal spaces as a witchcraft community, it kind of implies that we should be better at the pandemic because like, oh, we're so in touch with liminal spaces. We're so in touch with the in-between. But like, no, no, this was a very special liminal space. And if you didn't, if you didn't like it, that's totally reasonable. If you didn't thrive in it, that's totally reasonable. Um, Witch or no witch, you know? I think the podcast helped me. I think yeah. that having this, when, once we figured out how we were going to do yes. this, and I think this is the most we've talked about the pandemic, because I know we asked people at one point on Instagram, and most people did not want us talking about it, which I was like, yeah, let's just yeah. focus on this. Um, but some people did want us to. So I think it's it's good that we kind of mentioned it here, because it's kind of, you know, it's relevant yeah. to the topic. Um, but yeah, I think that this helped. But yeah, I don't even want to think about a year ago. To be honest with you, I don't. It's okay. So I was there on 9 11. I worked in the area. Um, and I don't watch footage from 9 mm-hmm. 11. Um, we have to go through it at school. And I, I, I have a mantra. I just like say the same thing. And I'm not listening to the speakers as they're going over the names of people from, you know, our district that passed yeah. away. Um, I really feel like it's PTSD. And I can't tell you how many times I've thought about going into the office and just saying, I can't do this anymore. Like, mm-hmm really stop like just stop with the 9-11 stuff like I don't want to call out this early in the year but you're making me insane yeah but I've, I've gotten better I've gotten <laughs> I've gotten better with it um it's especially nice when 
it doesn't fall during a school day and then they talk about it on a different day because I'm just like, yeah, this isn't the actual day. Yeah. So I, I can still tune you out. But um, but now, you know, so there was that and, and I don't like thinking about it. And I can tell you right now, I do not like thinking about March and April from March until June. I don't like yeah. thinking about that of 2020. And I don't think I will discuss it after this podcast. Like, I don't think that I ever want to really discuss yeah. how I was feeling or what was going on during that time. I think it was completely horrible. And I think it was, I think I'm one of the lucky ones. So I think that that kind of wraps up really well what we were talking about in that liminal spaces are important and they're interesting and they're valuable, but they're also equally scary and difficult and complicated. And I guess that's like part of witchcraft is being able to wade through both of those um, and come out on the other side. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to comment on before we tell everybody uh, what we're doing next week? Well, I guess something I could think of is we were talking about it. That's This podcast is a liminal space. When you're yeah. listening to us and when we're recording, everything else is somewhere else. And we start at zero because we haven't started talking about anything. And we kind of like make our way through to complete the episode. And then it's not really complete until people listen to it. So, yeah, that's it. I can't think of anything else. So you want to tell people the next thing? So the next thing that we're doing is we're reading a book called Glamour Magic by Deborah Castellano, which I'm very excited about because I've yes. posted about how I love glamour magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also going to lead us into, we're not going to say, but we have a pretty important, in- well, they're all important, but pretty special interview that- I'm really excited. I'm very excited for it. So um, so just think, the glamour book is a clue as to who we might be interviewing uh, for the next one. So- yeah. You're welcome to guess. Send us messages. I'm not going to tell you if you're right or not, but I will send screenshots to Scorpio when you are right. So Yes, if you're right. And, you know, and feel free to poke around our um, Instagram. Maybe you'll get an idea. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe. Um, of course, keep reaching out to us. Uh, we love hearing from you. We love responding to you. We love talking to you. We love hearing your takes on what we say in the podcast. Um Thank you so much for listening, for giving us the opportunity to do this, for participating in this liminal space with us. Thank you to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Olympia Olympia why would I say that Olympus I'm cutting that out I'm cutting that out I sound like an asshole (laughs)